0: The following is an actor portrayal.
1: With Kindley Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it.
2: My dad moved to Kindley and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindley.
1: Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit KindleyAtAsbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider.
0: Alright, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 158 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode lined up today with a great guest, but first, let's bring in my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? I'm
2: still recovering from Arizona. The time change is still just messing with <laughs> me, man, and a week, a week later, but... No, I know I am better, but I miss it. We were just chatting before. It was a week ago, you know. We were out there having a great time with everybody. And again, if you've never gone, I'm encouraging you to go next year. It's a year away, but I'm already looking forward to it and counting down the days because it is that great. So, yeah, I definitely miss hanging out with you and all the other people and even our, our great guests that you mentioned is going to be on with us tonight. So it's a pleasure to see you guys.
0: Yeah, it's only about, what, 356 whatever days until like First Pitch Arizona 23. I know they haven't set the date yet, obviously, but we can count down the days and pick a, you know, whatever date. But, uh, yeah, definitely was fun time. And as Chris mentioned, our guest tonight was out there with us at First Pitch Arizona. We hung out with him a good amount. He is a writer here at Fantrex HQ and co-host of the new fantasy baseball podcast, The Fantasy Baseball Beat. However, I am not sure if this is an imposter as we have some baby-faced gentlemen here and not the bearded fellow I'm used to. But please welcome the clean-shaven Mr. Mike Carter. Mike, what's up?
1: Hey, guys. How are you? Pleasure to be with you guys. Have wanted to be on this podcast for a very long time. You guys do amazing work, so pleasure to be here with you guys. And yes, I am clean-shaven. For those of you who saw me (laughs) in Arizona last week with a full beard, I had to make good on my bet with my baseball team, the BYB Expos, who ran the table in the Fall League this year. And about two or three games into the season, they asked, what do we get if we win? I said, well, what do you want? Thinking they'd want a pizza party or ice cream or something like that. They wanted to see me without a beard. So today, at our (laughs) our end of the year party, I obliged them and I shaved the beard off with some ramifications. I hadn't shaved in a while, so I've gotten big cuts all over my face. I look like Darth Vader without the helmet. (laughs) It's not
0: a good look. Well, at least I could, you know, just by knowing you and and knowing your voice, I can confirm that this is Mike Carter, but... (laughs) If you were watching the video, you'd be thrown off by, I said, this these face is all nice and clean and looks like you're, you know, 25 years old again, huh, Mike?
1: 25 years old and I let all the, the people who say I look like Ted Cruz come out of the woodwork again.
0: <laughs> Here they come. They're coming. Just watch. It'll be there. Dude, I didn't see it. But now, I wasn't thinking of it, but now that you say it, I kind of yeah. do see it a little you can't, bit. You can't unsee it. Yeah. It's like, it's like you guys could be like cousins or something. Not like brothers, <laughs> but like cousins. I like did that. have I
1: did have a mildly intoxicated patron at the bar last weekend in Arizona come up to me and say that they thought that I looked like Robert De Niro, which is way better than oh Ted that's, Cruz. that's a good
2: compliment. I yeah. would take
0: that all damn day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> exactly. Not not many not many people out there cooler than Robert De Niro. Tell you no, that. that's for sure. That's for fun stuff, but. We have a really fun show today, but before we get into it, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Mike is at MDRC0508. Chris is at Clegg. I'm at Aircross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both Chris and I and our YouTube channel for plenty of video throughout the offseason and into 2023. We got a lot of fun video up on that channel. And of course, check out all the other great work we have going on over at Fantrax HQ and on Fantrax. Platform, we have 2023 best ball leagues are already open. Those are a lot of fun. I'm already in my first one right now. A lot of fun. So go check out those if you got the itch to get into draft season, like most of us, DJ Jarrett's do. We don't want to wait until the spring. We're doing it in November. So, all right, let's get right into it, though. With Mike being a reliever guy, there's a lot of reliever stuff for us here at Fantrax and also a White Sox fan. That'll kind of dominate a lot of the talk here today, but we get a lot of fun players on here to discuss. Let's hop right into some news and notes, starting with a reliever, the best reliever from last year, Edwin Diaz, re-signing with the New York Mets. Five years, $102 million, absolutely huge contract for a reliever. But, hey, if any reliever is to get you know a, a nine-figure deal, it's Edwin Diaz. And, of course, he's going off the board as the first reliever in early 2023 ADP, 32.2 on average, just a slight tick ahead of Emmanuel Class A. So Mike, seeing that ADP for Edwin Diaz coming off the obviously dominant year he had and the trumpets and all that, do you have any reservations with taking him that high or do you think that's a fair ADP for him?
1: I think it's a fair ADP for him. I'm guessing that if it stays that way, I probably won't be getting him at all. I just, even though I write about relievers, I just cannot get behind drafting a reliever at that high of a price point. And if you're going to, he's a great one to go with. Class A right behind him. Last year, we were talking about Hendricks and Hayter 1 and 2. They're probably more like 3 and 4, maybe 4 and 5, depending on how you want to value things. But, you know, you're going to get a massive amount of strikeouts. You're going to get at least 30 saves. The Mets are probably going to be really good again because Steve Cohen's going to spend big time, again, it looks like in this offseason. I think that's a fair ADP for him. I won't be paying it, but if you're looking to get a reliever that high, I think he'd be the best guy to take off the board. And do you have him ranked above Class A? I do at this point. Yeah, I'm. I'm to me they're one A and one B right now. I, and I, I give Diaz a little bit of a bump because I think he will uh, have more strikeouts than Class A. That 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 action there is going to be really big. I think for
0: fantasy players this year. Yeah, I that's where where the edge goes. Obviously, they're both gonna have you know super low ratios and get plenty of saves, but yeah, that strikeout edge is why I do favor. Diaz. But yeah, I'm I'm also one where I just I wish we can all just as a community come together and be like, all right, nobody draft a reliever before like pick 50 or something like that. <laughs> right. Just, can we stop this? Like as a community, we, we all can just come together, make that like, you know, it's an unwritten rule, you know, of, of fantasy baseball. Nobody before like the fourth round or whatever, something. But I can't get behind these. I, I love Diaz. I love Class A. I love all of the names on this list we're going to be talking about here tonight, but I can't get behind it. But Chris, what
2: about you? So, yeah, I mean, I think the deal's fair. It's certainly pricey. The Mets are no surprise. They can pay up. It must be nice to have an owner that just opens the checkbook and and does what he wants. I think every team would love to have an owner like that. I think Diaz is the best closer in baseball at this point. He's been so consistent year over year, and that's just hard to be said for most relievers. And yeah, I mean, he had his bump in the road season. What year was that? Twenty nineteen, I guess. I uh, his so, first yeah. year in New York, yeah. When he had a four or five ERA and his WHIP was near one four. But you look before that, I mean, and he was he was elite the year before. He had a one six one ERA, seven in seventy three innings, one hundred twenty four strikeouts. Like you can rely on Edwin Diaz to get you a hundred strikeouts, and you can definitely count on him to give you elite ratios. Love Class A as well as we mentioned. I do want to speak a little bit to the ADP just because I do I won it's it's drafted champion season, which all these drafts that we're referencing on NFBC are draft champions drafts. And in that case, you know, there's no fab to pick up closers. So it's a pretty good idea to get a short sure bet when you are in a draft champions league. Obviously, you can take you know shots on these relievers that you think could get rolls. But the idea with no fab is you have to pay up a little bit. And the game theory from that perspective is like, all right, so let's say that every every hitter, or let's say every player in the league, is just drafting hitters for the first 10 rounds. And you're saying all right, well, I'm going to beat the market by just drafting pitchers. And you think you're getting an advantage, but you're really not because your hitters are going to suck. So it's almost like we have to, and I don't like it either. Like I, I don't like paying a second and third round cost for a reliever, but You almost have to because to get a sure thing that's gonna provide good value, you're gonna have to pay the market value. I'm just not comfortable paying, you know, a 78 ADP on Felix Bautista, an 80th ADP on Rossiela Iglesias, who I don't even know has the role. Mm -hmm. I'd rather just spend, you know, a couple rounds earlier and get the sure thing. And Edwin Diaz is the sure thing. Emmanuel Class A is the sure thing. So at least early on, while we have very little idea of who's going to be the closer, where like I'm, and like this is how I'm trying to build every DC team. You know, best ball is kind of out the window a bit because it's points, but every DC just based on the early you know way things are falling, I'm trying to go hitter, hitter, closer, catcher, starting pitcher. Seems Mm -hmm. crazy, but there's some starting pitching value to be had. Late, I'm comfortable taking my SP one being Joe Musgrove or or Zach Gallon in the fifth round, Luis Castillo are amazing
0: I was, I was just about to say Zach gallons that's yeah. what, who i think about when you think about waiting this a little bit for starting pitchers is Zach gallon because yeah there's a lot of guys in that you know 65 to 90 range of adp that are very good names and I would absolutely yeah, yeah they're more so like sp 18 19 whatever in terms of adp but I have no issues especially if you double up quickly and you get like Maybe you can get both Gallon and Musgrove if you go back. I love six,
2: that. Absolutely yeah, you, love it.
0: That's absolutely possible, like rounds five and six or two, you know, other names of in that elk. But, yeah, absolutely. And I just still, I've been finding myself, I haven't gotten any shares of Diaz or a Class A yet. And I'm only a couple drafts in, and I probably won't. But I can maybe see myself getting some shares of kind of like this next five. You got three that are very close in ADP. Uh right around like the you know, forty five to fifty range, you got Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks, Jordan Romano, and then slightly down, but a round or so. then you got Ryan Presley from Houston and Devin Williams in Milwaukee. And then I, I dropped down some more. So kind of those five there. Any names out of those five that you like, you know, that kind of stick out as a good value, or any name that you're avoiding in that five, Mike?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm a little down on Hayter just because I'm a little concerned about what San Diego is doing there, their bullpen. I mean, I, 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 I've always been a little edgy on Hayter just because I've always thought that he could go in a couple of different roles, right? Like he's a guy that had been a, a stopper, a guy that could pitch multiple innings, and then he transitioned into the closer role. And I wonder what San Diego is thinking. You know, They just signed Suarez last week, which was a bit of a surprise. I mean, I think a lot of people thought that Suarez would be looking to close somewhere. He instead took that money and went back to San Diego. So he scares me a little bit. And, and the struggles that he had last year, I mean, there was a lot going on for him personally last year. And I think you got to give a guy a mulligan for that. He's a human being first and foremost, before he's an athlete or a, a baseball player. But he that uncertainty and where he's going in the draft kind of scares me a little bit. It would, I would lean more towards Hendricks. I, I really do like Romano. I mean, I think quietly he had a really, really nice season for Toronto last year. I, I'm looking for somebody that's going to have a sure deal. I, I don't see me being able, what Chris said was spot on about DCs. I don't see me outside of a DC drafting a closer that high, but I would be fine with getting... Romano or Presley as my number one guy and then kind of building around that because you you need fewer saves now right I mean to be able to compete in most leagues and you probably don't want to h- spend well I don't anyway I don't think you want to spend and get you know two really great ones back to back and waste you know time on, on getting saves and beat somebody by 30 saves when you could use that you know position flexibility somewhere else you know
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And to speak on Hater too, I was talking with Greg Jewett just walking down the hallway at first with Arizona and something I like to do out there, I'll, I'll pick people's brains about certain random things like I did with him about Hater. I was talking with Nick Paul. I'm like, hey, what are your thoughts on Robbie Ray? Like I, see, I see like I'm a lot lower on him in my rankings and ADP and stuff like that. Just get pick people's brains and I was talking with Greg Jewett I think we just walking to one of the, you know, the the uh, seminar, not seminar, the uh, panels and uh, hey, what, what are your thoughts on Hater? you have any, you, know, you lower on him? Are you giving him a pass? He's like, no, he's like full pass. Like you, like you mentioned, Mike, like the personal stuff that's going on with Hater with with his family with his, with his uh, new child. That has you know, we're human beings, like you said, you. So that seems to be like what kind of brought along the issues with his performance. So I I'm not sure if I like the ADP at all, but you know, I, I personally am more of a you know Romano Presley type of guy. Those are mm-hmm. the two guys I like to go for in this range, and I think those two are kind of getting, especially Presley. I, I think Presley should should be. You know, right up with those guys. I think he's very undervalued. But, yeah, I'm I'm not thinking haters done at all being an elite guy. But I do echo your uh, your thoughts on that bullpen with them, you know, the Suarez and how they've used their bullpen in the past. So maybe, obviously, he'll still be the lead guy probably. You got a figure. But maybe he just gets, you know, a little less saves than you'd expect from him than, than maybe he got in Milwaukee or something like that. So
2: that's kind of like my thoughts on the, the whole thing here. But, Chris, what about you? So I did take Hater in the the DC at first pitch. <laughs> you did, yeah. <laughs> Basically, once Diaz goes, Class A is going, and so Diaz and Class A went in the second. So I took Hater in the third. I mean, I, it's it's not terrible. I'm not like no, opposed no, to it. No, I mean he finished strong. That was the most positive thing. His you know over the final month of the season, 11 and a third, 14 Ks, a mm-hmm. .79 ERA. So there was at least some positive signs that we saw that encouraged me. I, I think again, I think after. Diaz in Class A, you can go. I'm okay with any of those guys. Like there is a tier. Like Hendricks, I'd say is is right there. Even though he had his bumps too this year, I, I do like Jordan Romano. He was very good on several of my teams last year. Devin Williams is the one that's going pretty high. That I'm just not sure I'm sold on. And he went actually before Romano in our draft. I know his ADP is a little lower, but he went before Romano, which I thought was yeah. interesting in the DC. And so he's the one I'm a little less confident in his, his men and Mac max pick range are pretty wide. And Presley, while I like Presley, the stuff's really good. He was really good all year. The age, I'm just like, you know, at some point, like we see relievers fall off. Like I mentioned, it's hard for them to be consistent year over year, but that's kind of the, that tier. I think you have tier one with Diaz and class a, and you have tier two, which for me would be Hader, Hendricks Romano and Presley, I don't include Devin Williams in there. He could be, in ADP-wise, he is there, but he's just not for me. He's the one that I'm concerned about could mm-hmm. fall off. And after that, there's just so many question marks. It's like, right. oh, my <laughs> goodness. The one who I actually think is is going in a fair place and could potentially undervalued is Camillo Duvall. Absolutely. Where he's so good. And I, I did not draft Duvall last year. I was like, you know what? The price, like the uncertainty. And it was literally, I mean, they came out and said, like, McGee's the guy. It was like they were, Duvall was just going to fireman roll, go in the the high leverage spots. It was like, okay, I'm not drafting him. And I was like, people are crazy drafting him. But you know what? He had a really good year. He got 27 saves, really good ratios, Mm -hmm. good strikeout numbers. Duvall's the one, if you do miss on the early tier, I'm going after Camilla Duvall, actually. I think it seems like they're committed to him at this point. And unless something drastic changes, I think Duvall is going to be the guy in San Francisco. It's important to remember they didn't have a good year, and he still mm-hmm. had 27 saves. I yes. think they'll be a lot better next year, and he has an opportunity to get 30 to 35 saves, which is a really good number with good ratios.
0: Yeah, I I kind of look at relievers the way Chris, what you were saying about you know wait, waiting a little bit on starter, and you and you'd be okay with you know this guy or this guy being your SP one. I'm kind of looking at that with the relievers here and I'm like, all right, do I feel comfortable with some of these guys that are even below these guys as my RP one? Like, do I want, you know, like a Scott Barlow or a Kenley Jansen or something like that as my RP one? Probably not. So that's why I I do want one of these top, I'll say really the eight or nine guys. Uh, I'd be fine with Devin Williams. I, I agree that he should be going a little bit lower, but I'd be fine with him as my RP one. But once we get past like the Felix Batista range, I don't know. You know, I, Deval, I do like too, but you know, Kelsley, who knows? You know, they have a lot of good arms in that St. Louis bullpen that we saw. I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with, like I said, a Bednar or a Jansen as my RP1. RP2, absolutely, but RP1, not so sure here. But with, you know, I'm not going to go through the entire reliever ADP here, but just going to wrap up this segment here. Mike, is there any, looking at the rest of the uh, reliever ADP, are there any that stand out to you, just either someone that's going, you know, Way too high, way too low, good values, anything that stands out.
1: Well, you know, the thing that I thought was kind of funny was in looking at that, you know, i started thinking about, oh, who are like the top 15 guys ADP-wise? And Chris brought up Doval, who I actually got in the 11th round in a best ball wow. last weekend, which is my first closer. And then I came back and did Bednar, <laughs> as you were just kind of pointing out, Chris, who I, I like at his value at 114. I, I saw Duran from Minnesota is going at 118, and I think that's way too high for him. Greg said last week in, in, in Arizona something that I thought was really a astute, which was Minnesota's going to try to cost control these guys and and not allow him to get too many saves so that he can leverage that into a better contract deal for himself. And so I don't think that they're going to use him to close right off the bat. So to me, I feel like that's a high value. Now, he's obviously going to get a lot of strikeouts and, and, and do those types of things, but we really got to get saves out of this position, right? So I, I think that that's too high for him. I, I think you guys were talking about, Chris, you brought up Iglesias and not really being sure what his role is going to be. I think if he ends up being the closer in Atlanta, which is a pretty good chance that, that what is what ends up happening, he would be the last guy that I would be comfortable taking as my yep. number one.
2: Yep, I agree. If he's got the role 100. He was so good when he was traded to Atlanta. I think people yes. want to look on the surface and just be like, the numbers weren't great. He had like a 0. .54 ERA after he was traded to Atlanta, and he and he was in a role he wasn't even comfortable with. Like he's right. always been a closer. They put him in the seventh inning, and he's like just absolutely dominant. So, yeah, I think that, and I feel pretty comfortable. Like you don't just go trade for a guy that's fifteen mil over the next or fifteen mil per season over the next three years, and like just use him in the seventh. I don't think I'm pretty sure Jansen's gone. I think that Iglesias is the guy. I just want a little more confirmation, but I agree. I, I Iglesias is a good pick if I know that he's going to be the closer,
1: right? And that ADP will probably
0: go up if he's named
1: oh, the closer, yeah. sure. right? So, yep.
0: And Chris, I got to ask, how did you guys pull off that deal, trading away like the guy that was like twelfth on your depth chart of pitching and Tucker Davidson, along yep. with like four hundred and six year old Jeff- Jesse Chavez? <laughs> how? What is? What's this like witchcraft that Alex Anthopoulos is doing down there with all these contracts and he, these trades he's done? Like, how is he not like
2: winning every GM of the Year award? Is my question. It's a good question, yeah. But uh, you know, I am going to be upset because I, I think the chance of them re-signing Dansby's like less than a percent. Honestly, do you um, think?
0: Do you think even if? Yeah, I do agree. Dansby's pr- pretty gone. But do yeah. you think they go out and get any of the other big name? First no, be,
2: no, because what I was told is, it, it's a, it's a really weird story. One of my close friends actually ran into Spencer Strider and his agent the other night at a bar, and uh, so they were chatting, and uh, he texted me. He's like, "Hey, I just met Strider." And I was like, "Oh, really? That's kind of crazy." And he was like, "Yeah, his agent's here too." And we were chatting, and they said that they they basically said the Braves aren't resigning him. He said that the Orioles isn't comfortable with the yearly amount that. uh dansby wants and so that leads me to believe they're not going to get one of the other big shortstops because those other guys are also going to demand that price right and yeah. you might as well just keep your guy that's been around for, <laughs> for so long if you're not gonna if you if you're not gonna pay dansby that annual value you're not gonna pay correa or Bogarts or or trey Ian turner those those prices either so i'm interested to see what they do i guess they roll with grissom at short I, if they not, do not a that, bad
0: fallback option now, right
2: <laughs> if they do i want them to go get a left fielder like I'm just not comfortable with Rosario out there. And go get a legit left fielder and spend some money on a, on an ace. And if they do that, I'll be okay. But, yeah, interesting intel. Just random meetup with Strider at a bar. <laughs> so I, I don't know how accurate that is, but I trust his, his agent at least knows or has some insights. So. Sure. Spend some money on an ace
0: as the guy who has Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider, Max Freed. Imagine... Shush.
2: Imagine shush. Jacob, Jacob Degrom. Shush,
0: shush your mouth right now. I'm over here with broken down Chris Sale. You know, like Nick Pavetta, like the you know corpse of Rich Hill. Like stop. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, I need an ace here. Okay, I need the ace here in Boston. Like Sale's not that guy. We need the ace. I don't know. Listen, I don't have any faith in bloom, but that's a discussion for another day is I could get on an hour-long rant about the Red Sox right now. <laughs> but, all right, let's wrap up the relief pit. Got a couple more players to talk about here, but we move on from relievers. Let's just, you know, go right to the AL East here because, you know, one guy that I like in ADP for relievers right now is Clay Holmes. You know, he was absolute freaking nails to start the year. Then he, you know, rough second half, but I think he did finish, you know, he kind of corrected that as season went along, but it does sound like they're not going to bring in a big-name reliever. Holmes, as of now, looks like he's going to be the guy. And right now, his ADP, what was his headed up? So he is the 17th reliever off the board. Pick 141 on average, right behind Daniel Bard, Scott Barlow, Duran, Bednar, Jansen. I would take him ahead of Bard, Barlow, Duran, and then Bednar. I think he should be more closer to Bednar in terms of ADP. But what are your thoughts on Clay Holmes and the Yankees bullpen situation there, Mike?
1: Well, it was really interesting to watch that bullpen devolve as the season went on. And it couldn't happen to a more hated team, (laughs) which was kind of nice to watch, but, um, I think at this point, Holmes will be their closer. I don't really see any of the other guys that they brought in being super big competition for him in that role. But you always have to consider the Yankees are the Yankees after all. Right. And yep. they, they will sometimes surprise you and throw money at a problem that doesn't really exist for them, right? So I would be more than comfortable having Holmes as a closer if I were the Yankees. But, you know, they could do something wild like, go to the White Sox and get Liam Hendricks or something like that. You know, I I don't know that Hendricks is on the market. It's a name that you hear a lot in Chicago of somebody that they think has potential trade value. The Sox don't have a lot of people on their team that have trade value at this point after what happened last season. But I think at this point, Holmes would be the closer as long as they don't do anything else. Like you could just see the Yankees do something though, couldn't you? Like wait and see what happens with Kenley and then coming in the last minute and sign him to be the closer and totally yep. screw over Holmes, you know, like that's something the Yankees would do. But as of right now, I totally agree with you. I think he's he's up there for me. I would have him ranked right next
2: to Bednar as well as you did, Eric.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's fair, Chris. Are you in or
2: out on the Holmes next year? I, I do like Holmes, but as as Mike said, I'm just nervous about the Yankees being the Yankees and just doing their thing and you know going and buying pieces, and that's that's a a real possibility. So who knows? I don't think Chapman goes back there but Holmes does have the stuff. He does have the closer stuff. We saw it even through his rough stretch. You know, he still came back later and was fine. So it'll be interesting to see how that does shake out though.
0: Yeah. It, it was really July and August, like April, May, June had an ERA below one every month. And then some odd reason, July and August, seven and 6.75. It's only 14 in the third combined innings. And he went, and he got better in September, not back to sub one ERA. Good, but, not six seven era bad either uh, I, I'm just hoping that you know the Yankees they still have a pretty good bullpen yeah it did break down with in Michael King what he, what he broke his elbow or was something like that no what did what did Michael King some elbow issue right
1: did he uh, break
0: something I can't remember exactly what it was
1: yeah there was something that really kind of came out of nowhere I can't remember what it was off the top of my head either
2: fractured elbow in late July
0: yeah okay so' fractured elbow so you have think he should be good late july yeah next you think he should be good Not they got you know lasagna or Loiza guy it was called lasagna so i'm hoping that they're like all right no our bullpen's fine there's not a big you know gap there let's go and you know get some more offense or something like that so I'm, that's what i'm hoping but yeah the yankees are the yankees i could go out and get anybody here right. but moving over to the red Sox here we we don't know like i i I could not bet a hundred dollars with any level of confidence on one guy being in the clothes right now that's on the roster, but they're saying that Whitlock and Hulk might be built up as starters, but that could change for Hulk. I don't know, Mike with Whitlock and Hulk, obviously the we know the talents there with, with both those guys. They've shown that in, uh, in smaller stints, but, with their roles still being uncertain, and we probably won't know their definitive role until maybe you know mid March or so, where a lot of our leagues, at least, probably have already drafted. Are those guys you're going to be targeting, or with the uncertainty that with their roles, are those guys you're going to be avoiding?
1: Well, I. I- I think I have a little more interest in Hulk right now based on our conversation on our pod with Chris Cotillo, who was really a great, great guy to have on the pod and answered a lot of Red Sox questions for us and probably would not do very well to ease your dismay, Eric, at this point is where the (laughs) Red Sox are going. I'm sure. But his his suggestion was that what he was hearing was that they were going to put Whitlock back into the rotation and they were going to use Hulk in the bullpen as a multi-inning piece, potentially closer, now, the other thing that you got to remember there, and please don't throw anything or or cut me off of the pod for saying this, but, <laughs> you know, Matt Barnes was pretty good down the stretch for them, too. And so he could reenter this conversation. We've seen yep. this a million times, haven't we? You know, guys that are the, the will-be-gone child that they throw out and, and all of a sudden they come back better than ever. You know, he, he looked pretty good there in some stretches at the end. So they've got some interesting pieces there. Now, Chris had also said, this was before Diaz signed, that he thought that they would have interest in Diaz as well. Obviously, that didn't work out since he went back to New York. But, you know, the Red Sox are also known to throw money at problems where you kind of end up scratching your head going, what did they do that for? I think it depends on what they're thinking in terms of how they're going to, are they going to sign Devers to a long-term contract? That remains to be seen. Are they going to bring back Bogarts? It's looking more and more like Bogarts has more offers away from Boston, which is kind of sad. I'd like to see him go back to Boston, all things considered equal, but they might also have money to spend on this problem, this perceived problem that they have as well. Although they do need starting pitching more than anything. I did hear a rumor this, this morning, linking Andrew Haney to the Red Sox, I uh, heard which, that too, yeah. which would, which would replace the, the corpse of Rich Hill, as you said earlier,
0: <laughs> I think like oh my word, like let's what, you know, What's one way to fix an off injured rotation? Let's get another guy that's always injured. Like, how many of these guys are we gonna sign? And so, like, well, but what, oh, if,
1: oh what if what if they took Haney and turned him into the multi inning guy and put Hal and Whitlock into the
0: rotation? That doesn't seem like that would be that far fetched to me. No, well actually, I think Haney'd be very good in the multi inning role. Yeah, he'd be
1: he'd be sick in that role. That's probably better.
0: It be- it's probably better for him now. Like he can't. Right. We've seen him. He's got good stuff. He just can't be that five plus inning, you know, every sixth day type of guy.
1: Thirty-five and a half percent K rate last year. Yeah, that's I think, absurd. I think,
0: I think he was he was up there too. Like, and his walk rate was fairly decent as well. I'm, I'm looking at some of the K minus walk rate leaderboards, and he was like right up there with all the big stud names. So I think he has like a twenty-nine point whatever percent K minus walk rate. He was right up there with. I think he was right below Strider. So every Strider's walk rate was like nine whatever percent. So he was right up there with Strider and all the other big names. Would I would love Heaney, depending on the on the role and the price. I think Heaney would be a good bet. Mm-hmm. Just got to stay healthy. And that's been, <laughs> that's been obviously a big issue for him. Chris, how about you? Any interest in Halk or Litlock next year?
2: Yeah, definitely like Widlock. I'm, it's a starter. I mean, I think he'd be good in any role, but Widlock is certainly one that I would be intrigued by. How looked really good when he got the closing opportunities. So I'm intrigued to see what they do with him. I know his stuff probably plays up best in a multi inning role or the closer role. I don't think he's a starter, but. I'm I am i am nervous about drafting him you know, if they put him in the multi year role. He's kind of a guy, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's it's tough that he's kind of that in between, but yeah, I'm gonna draft Whitlock a lot as ADP, I think.
0: Yeah, and the speaking of the ADP, I just pulled it up. Both ADPs are are fairly reasonable for, for these two. Whitlock's right at pick three hundred and Halk is right around three forty or so. And right in the middle of those, Brayon Bayo, right around uh, where'd he go? Three twenty five. So Red Sox in that 300 to 340 range in ADP or so. But let's go ahead and take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor.
2: We'll be right back. Support for Fantrax Toolshed is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, their performance package. So join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20% 20% off and free worldwide shipping using the code toolshed at manscaped.com. So I mentioned, the Performance 4.0 package has arrived, and man, it is a game changer. Inside this package, you will find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver deodorant, the Crop Reviver toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. The Lawnmower 4.0 is the trimmer. The future of grooming, and I'm blown away by its performance and its craftsmanship. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade, not to cut you, but to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4000K LED spotlight that you need for your most precise shaves. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can use it in the shower and say goodbye to the mess on your bathroom floor. You thought that was good, but Manscaped wants to take your grooming game even further with the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Tremor. This Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides the same proprietary skin-safe technology to help reduce nicks, snacks, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. The Crop Preserver below the waist Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine, and Manscaped will even throw in two free gifts for you in the Performance 4.0 Package. The Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. What better can you do? The podcast called Tool Shed. Get some new tools for your shed. Bring your comfort and your boxers to another level. Go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping. Just use our code Tool Shed. That's right, 20% off and free shipping worldwide using the code Tool Shed.
0: All right, welcome back from the break. Getting into a little bit more news and notes here before we finish with some Chicago White Sox talk. In a trade that might have, you know, not been noticed by many because, you know, not a big name going here, but Nick Solak's going to Cincinnati. And I think there's at least a little bit of intrigue here. You know, Solak obviously has not done a whole heck of a lot at the major league level so far, but this is a guy that had a pretty solid minor league career, really just hit everywhere he went. But so far, major leagues, it hasn't been terrible. But two fifty two, three twenty seven, three seventy two. 21 home runs, 19 steals, and 253 games. I wonder if he gets some run here. I don't know where he's going to fit in. He can kind of play all over the place and Cincinnati has a lot of those types of guys as well. Mike, do you see any value for Solak here? And if so, do you see this hurting anybody on the uh, the rest of the Cincinnati roster?
1: Well, I mean, I think the thing that's interesting is that he's probably going to be close to free, right? And this is a guy that had some helium a couple years ago as a Potential double-digit home run, double-digit steals kind of guy. And Texas had him playing second base and outfield. It looks like, according to NFBC, they have him listed as outfield only at this point. I think he's the type of guy that if you wanted to take a flyer on late, it would be fine. The playing time, who's it going to come at the expense of? My best guess would be its old friend, Nick Senzel, who I will not buy anymore. You know, I, I think everybody has been waiting for him for years to kind of develop into something more than what he is. And it's just never really happened. I also think uh, Aquino is probably on his way out there, too, with this move. If Solak earns some time there, those two guys, I think, would really suffer the most if he were to be able to make the roster out of spring training.
0: Yeah, he's a guy that, you know, in, in your standard league, you know, obviously we're not- like a non best ball or DC, I'd have no interest in selling that. I can kind of wait and see how it t- plays out. But in a DC or a best ball, you're picking 600, 700, 750 players. They say, what's his ADP right now? I just look. ADP right now is 729. So, yeah, like you said, he's basically free. I'm going to take a flyer because he's going to find his way into the lineup somehow, some way. Maybe it's not full time right off the bat, but he could play second. He could play third. He could play some outfields. So that definitely will help him get into the lineup. And, We've seen a lot of the guys in the Cincinnati lineup aren't exactly uh, durable, to say the least. Like in, <laughs> India's had his issues. Votto is 39 years old. Stevenson, you have to catch but to say, Stevenson has had injury issues. Fraley's had inju- you know, injury issues. Mustakis, you know, Senzel, obviously, he's probably the poster boy for that on that lineup. So there's a lot of opportunity for him to get to the lineup. So, yeah, definitely, you know, D.C. best ball, late round. Absolutely, I would love Nick Sola. He was a guy that showed you know 20 homer pop in the minor leagues you know double-digit steals and maybe he's not like gonna be a 2010 guy but you know maybe if he runs into 500 player appearances, you can see 15 10 i think that's definitely possible mm-hmm. with with probably at some point multi-position eligibility which definitely helps as well so i like him as a late, late round flyer how about you chris
2: yeah i mean who who does he have to beat out like their outfield is right. just atrocious as <laughs> my kind of the keynote sinzel's just I just don't think he's a thing anymore. I think we can keep trying and trying. How anybody. dare you disrespect TJ Friedel like that, Chris? <laughs> you know, of all of them, I like Friedel the best. Yeah, really. exactly. Which is, which is this proves your point. Right. Fraley's not going to play in the outfield. I think Fraley's going to be a DH. He's just not good enough with his glove. Spencer right. Steer's going to play around the infield. I'd say India is like the only one that's truly locked in a spot at second base. Votto, as long as healthy, I mean, 39 years old. So we'll see how that goes. Still love Votto, obviously, and hope for the best. And Tyler Stevenson behind the plate. But there's a lot of up for grabs right now. And so who knows what they do the rest of the offseason. But I would say Solak is an intriguing late flyer in in those deeper leagues because, one, the ballpark's a huge, huge upgrade for him. Like, I love him. Love any hitter in Great American Ballpark. You've seen they make good fantasy numbers for pretty much anybody except Nixon Zell. Sorry, Nixon Zell. (laughs) But I, I do like at least taking a chance and seeing where it goes. He's going late enough where where why not? I mean, I'm willing to to try. Because I've liked Solak in the past, so this is his chance to rebound. If there's ever a chance and the perfect team fit and ballpark at the right time, I think now is it. Do you think this
0: hurts Spencer Steer at all? Because he's a guy that was kind of fitting that late round flyer mold. And I know, you know, I know Matt Thompson took him in our rookie league that we did for first pitch Arizona.
2: I wonder if does this hurt him at all, do you think? I don't think so. I think Steer's going to be like the utility infielder. Maybe he does grab a regular spot, like maybe third base. I don't know. Steer can play a lot of places, which helps. Where's his long-term home? I guess that's the biggest question that we're still trying to figure out because what we saw last year played first, played second, played third, even some DH. So he can play anywhere on the diamond but short. And who knows? The Reds will probably try to throw him at short because <laughs> that's what they do. I mean, they'll they'll put anybody at short stops. So why why I not Spencer Steer? I mean, <laughs>
0: why not? You gotta you gotta admit though, the Eugenio Suarez at short thing was fun. It it didn't work, but it was fun. Yeah. It, gave, it gave us something to talk about and make fun of for like a month and a half.
2: Yeah, that is true. That's very true. <laughs> how many games?
0: How many games did he play there at short? I forget. Not a lot, but it was like a month or so he was there. And we we're like, what is going on? You have nobody else. I'll play short. I'm probably better at short than Eddie Suarez. I was going to so, say,
1: I'll, I'll put Jack Carter out there any day of the week mm, over there you Suarez. do will yeah, put you Daniel
2: Vogelbach go. at shortstop. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be, <laughs> that would be oh. something to watch. I, would, I, I actually, would in the
1: minor leagues, when he was in single A, they used to play Vogelbach in right field here. Nice. I swear to God. Yeah.
2: Nice.
0: You something to watch. Sh- shout out to old. You know, old fan tracks. Uh, podcasting buddy Nathan Dawkin, who's probably the biggest Daniel Vogelbach fan you'll ever see. Speaking of weird shortstops, when I get off on a tangent, either of you see a video about uh, week, week or two weeks ago, it was Ichiro pitching over in Japan and Daisuke Matsuzaka at shortstop. Really, that caught. That I, I love Ichiro. First off, so I think Ichiro I'll watch. I think he's just a good dude too. And then I saw the whole thing with the video was having Daisuke at short. And I'm just like, he, he made it like play to his left. And he kind of spun him through it at first. I'm like, hey, Daisuke's some moves there. That was kind of fun. Let's put like Cologne, Bartolo Colon at short while we're at it. Like, <laughs> oh, who's a better shortstop, Daniel Vogelbach or Bartolo Colon? Hmm. Vogelbach. Vogelbach. Probably Vogelbach, yeah, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah.
2: Crazy enough,
0: but. I think Colon would be more fun, though. He'd probably make, he'd probably like, do some antics out
2: there. I would, you love would to get see. the most hype of, of anybody out there. Oh, for sure. Twitter. That, that's a fun like all star break
0: idea. Just get former players and put them at random positions. Yeah, there's a there's a fun game like you know like Cologne's at short, and you have some you know, position pitching. That's an idea.
1: That's kind of what the White Sox do right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mike's like, what are you talking about? This is like our everyday thing. We'll get some White Sox talking a little bit, but the last a uh, little bit of news and notes here: Clayton Kershaw going back to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I was looking at, you know, when he resigned that guy, I was like, where's Jones? I don't have any shares of Kershaw yet, but I think his ADP is actually pretty reasonable here. Let me pull it back up. He's going to pick 143 143. on average, right in between like the two arms below him or Giolito. I mean, who the freak knows what we're getting out of Giolito next year. And Joe Ryan, Lance Lynn, who I do like, and we'll talk about here in a second, then above him. You got some of the young guys like Nick Ladolo's right above him for pitchers. It's a bunch of closures in this range, actually. The next arm up is actually about 20 spots up, and it's Blake Snell, Freddie Peralta, you know, Hunter Green, Severino, that range. I feel like Kershaw gets underrated at this point in time. Is is he a guy that you'll be targeting in your drafts, Mike? You know, it's funny. I don't usually have him, but I think at this price
1: point, he's the 57th starting pitcher off the board. I mean, I. To me, I feel like that's a really good value there. I mean, he had a good season last year. I feel like he kind of flies under the radar a little bit because people feel that he's old or that maybe his heart isn't fully in it because this is his last year, whatever it might be. I I mean, I I think the results are still good. Now, you have to bake in, though, too, I think. You're not all of a sudden going to get 170, 180 innings out of him anymore. I mean, you're going to cap at maybe 120, 130 if you get lucky. So you have to kind of bake that into the price. But at this point, yes, I would I'd be interested.
0: Yes. He's he's gone uh, one twenty-one and two thirds in twenty twenty-one and one twenty-six and a third last year. And obviously last year it had two twenty-eight ERA over a strikeout per inning. Obviously, a super low walk rate that we've come accustomed to seeing from him. So it looks like, you know, obviously you can never say there's a floor with innings pitch with the pitchers. We've seen we know that. It looks like a fairly okay bet to give you about one twenty. If he gives you anything over that. Like I'm drafting him, assuming 120, 125. Anything else over that, 130, 140? You know, i I'd probably say, yeah, cap's probably at the most is 140, but if he gives me an extra 15, 20 inning, extra 3, 4 starts, that's just gravy at that point. I think there's a fair value for his, what he's giving you in terms of the volume and anything else is just at gravy at that point. Chris, are you buying Kershaw?
2: Yeah, I mean, why not? He just keeps getting the job done. Even if you're not getting the bulk that you want, the price doesn't, cost you that i mean you'll take 125 really good innings and the ratios are going to be good we know that he's like a a major whip stabilizer like his whip is constantly hovers around or below one which is huge i mean this year 0.94 like that's incredible Mm -hmm. we know the command's good he's not going to walk a lot of guys so that's going to be low plus you have the dodgers who are going to have good defense and good bats behind him so he's going to get a lot of wins and so he's still got 12 wins in 126 innings even if i'm just banking on 126 125 whatever it's a good value as you mentioned he's going so late that it's it's worth a pick and yeah he'll probably have an il dinner too but you bake that in with the cost and you're getting a good value and a potential really good return on investment
0: yeah absolutely and then speaking of dodgers arms here one that i just i think might be the biggest adp surprise always for in terms of guys that are going lower than i expect them to go Tony Gonsolin is going insanely low in early drafts, pick 165 on mm-hmm. average, right in the same range as Lance McCullers, Luis Garcia, Drew Rasmussen, Charlie Morton, Jordan Montgomery, kind of that, those types of guys. And yeah, you know, a lot of people will point to you, some of the, he pitched over his head, you know, super low BABIP, stuff like that, ERA indicators are about to run higher, but. His ERA indicators were still like XERA was still three point one two, and yeah, as he get pitched to a two point one four ERA again, maybe not. But his career ERA is two point five one. He's he's never been above three point two three. So I'm not expecting him to go up to like you know I think what what a steamer have him like a four point two or something That's insane. I, I just don't understand how that is. And he's another guy that has had some durability questions as well. And he made twenty four starts last year, but in one hundred and thirty innings, two point one four ERA. He cut the walk rate down to 7%, which was encouraging. The K rate did dip to about 24%, but look look at the secondary areas that he's shown, like the splitter, slider, and curveball can all miss bats, especially the splitter and slider, especially. So I think that K rate can go back up to that 26, 27% range where he's been the previous two years. Like, I am going to get, if he's staying around pick like 160, 170 or so, I get. A crap ton of shares mm-hmm. of Tony Gonzalez this year. How about you, Mike?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think pe- the reason why I think his value is low is because everybody's looking at it and saying, Oh, no way he's gonna be 16 and one again next year, right? The guy's 26 and six in his career. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of wild. So he's he's a starter on one of the three best teams in the major leagues. Y- you have to be interested in that, just based on that silly nugget of information, right? So yep. uh definitely at that price. Oh my gosh, yeah, you know. You already probably have two, maybe three guys at that point. If you get Gonsolin there, holy moly, you're in really good shape.
0: Yeah, if he's like your SP four,
1: yeah, I I am.
0: I'd be happy with him as maybe, maybe not my SP two, but three for sure. Three, I'm fine. Four, I'm ecstatic. And maybe if you go pitching heavy, maybe he's even your SP five. You know, I think that's not out of the realm possibility. So, I love it. How about you, Chris?
2: Yep, I don't push up his price any more than you have to, Eric. That's all I ask. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was a PG-13 way of saying, shut up, Eric.
2: <laughs> the The biggest thing I think I've learned over the years is, is draft pitchers on good teams that have a good track record with pitching development, and that's the Dodgers. I mean, just look at Heaney, look at Tyler Anderson this year. I mean, look how many wins Tony Gonsolin had in 130 innings. We mentioned Kershaw had 12 and 120. Gonsolin had 16 and 130. So, yes, I think Gonsolin is who he is at this point. And we've seen while small samples over the years, he has a 2.51 career ERA, a sub one whip for his career. And yeah, people can point at the peripherals and say, oh, he has a 4.04 Sierra, a 3.45 WHIP. I don't really care. I mean, he just gets the job done. So, I mentioned the Dodgers are going to have a good defense behind them. So, I'm not that particularly worried about him. His strikeout rate actually, I think, is going to go up. He had a 20, 23.9% strikeout rate this year. I think that probably goes up, as you mentioned. He has a pretty good swinging strike rate. He has good bat-missing pitches. So even if it doesn't, I can live in that range if he's around a strikeout and inning because of where he's going with good mm-hmm. ratios. And I think the most underrated thing in a standard 5x5 fantasy win is having these pitchers on good teams that get you wins. Mm-hmm. And you can draft the best pitchers, but daggum, we saw last year. I mean, the Brewers, who was the the, the reliever, Brent Suter led them in wins. Like, yeah. what? So, having pitchers on the Dodgers and other teams that are good at developing pitchers and win a lot of games are usually going to bode well for fantasy purposes.
0: Yep, that, that's my favorite stat is that Suter had more wins than Corbin Burns last year for <laughs> 2021. We should say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think. And Chris saying "daggone" is the closest you'll ever hear is him swearing on this podcast. Daggone dag is Chris swearing on this podcast. Like that's the closest you'll ever see. I right was here. ready to. I was ready to say, "Preach, preach, <laughs> after it." He will. Hey, that's that's his day job. <laughs> so I know. Uh, <laughs> all right, yeah. Uh, moving over here, let's let's finish off this episode with some Chicago White Sox talk oh, because God. A, Mike is a, <laughs> is a White Sox fan, and B, there's a lot of fun players to there discuss are. on this uh, White Sox team. We're going to discuss a handful of them here, starting with, if my computer will get back to the, there we go, Luis Robert. I, Mike, I don't know what to do with Luis Robert this year. His, Mm -hmm. I I was expecting his ADP to fall further than it did. And let's see, his ADP is at, oops, don't just search Robert. That will give me so many results here. 36.4, 35th player off the board, right in between Spencer Strider and Aaron Nola. That's not like terribly lower than it was last year. So Mm -hmm. I was hoping to get maybe near 50 because obviously we've seen like if everything clicks, this is maybe a first round talent, right? But durability has been a massive issue with him. Especially last year, I had him in so many teams and the White Sox played him like, Five games of the last thirty without going on the IO, which is maddening. But I know yes. what they did. Obviously, you know you've expanded roster, so you can do that. But where are you at on Luis Robert? I mean, are you still thinking he could be that elite guy, and you're willing to take that risk because of the talent, or at this point, are you just out?
1: You know, I at at ADP of thirty six, I can't. I don't think I can pull the trigger on that one. I mean, this is a guy who played only ninety eight games last year, had the wrist issue and was playing at a time when he probably should not have been playing. Agreed. I, the White Sox management of injuries last year was absolutely mind-boggling. I'm not going to use vulgarity, I promise. I I got <laughs> it out of my system in <laughs> October, I think. But this is a guy that definitely has top 10 player upside, and he's only 25. You know? Know. So you look at that and you think, oh, if this guy could get 150 games, what he could do. The lack of power last year was really concerning, and I, and I think some of that was the risk. I also think some of it was that the White Sox, it came through after the season, were really playing more to LaRusse's whims, which is to make more contact and not hit for power. Their leading home run hitter last year, now granted they had a ton of injuries, was Andrew Vaughn with 17. So Robert still, even with the injuries last year, hit 284, 12 home runs, 11 steals. WRC plus was 111. I don't think that I can do ADP of 36 on that. If, if it got down to 50, 55, I'd really consider it. This is a guy who can be a first round pick next year if he has health and if he runs. I don't know what they're going to do with him, where he's going to bat in this lineup, where Pedro Grafal sees him hitting and and how much they're going to let him run. And, and that really kind of limits the value to me in that moment. There's just a lot of risk baked in to take him that high, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. in you know, in dynasty or keeper leagues, I, I have several shares I'm 100% holding right now. But for redraft for next year, yeah. I, like you said, like 50 55, that's where I thought it would be. And that, I don't, I don't know if I'd be in there, but there's a chance I would be. That's, I think, fair, more fair. But 35, I just, I can't get in there. I'm assuming, Chris, you're probably feeling the same way.
2: Yeah, I'm just nervous about how they handle them and with the injuries. And that was such a weird thing, as you mentioned, with the team last year. The good news is we know they'll have a pretty much completely new coaching staff outside of the pitching coaches. We know Ethan Katz is going to be retained as well as the bullpen coach. So, you know, those weren't issues. But I'm here. I was trying to just do actually some research right now and see, like, looking at like strength and training and and the medical staff, like if any of those guys had been nixed or not, and I'm not sure, haven't found anything as of yet, but I'm interested to see like what the new regime will do with them. And hopefully it's just normalcy, like, not playing Andrew Vaughn in left field or second base, like, <laughs> and 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 we know like Jose Abreu's out and Vaughn will be at first base, right? So I'm hoping that there'll be some normalcy for Robert to just some more consistency. As you mentioned, he easily could be a top ten, top five fantasy asset with a power, speed that he does bring to the table. But I am hesitant to buy because, and I don't like throwing the label, but is he injury prone and? I don't know. I think it's too early to say like he's consistently injured. But last year was really tough from that standpoint. So I'm I'm hesitant if he falls in a draft, then I'll I'll likely grab a share or two just in case he does take off. But at the current price, I'm probably not in.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely not in. But one guy I am in on, and I'm surprised that his ADP is as low as it is, Eloy Jimenez. Look at early ADP for Eloy Jimenez. He's going to have to be around pick ninety, kind of a tier of himself in ADP. But he's two behind Byron Buxton and just ahead of guys like Brian Reynolds, Tyler O'Neill, etc. And as we've mentioned, like middle round outfield is absolutely disgusting this year. <laughs> so Eloy is probably like the last one. Like you know, give me, you look at Buxton going two picks ahead of Eloy. Give me Eloy all damn day. It's it's not even not even a question. Because you look at Eloy he was actually, you know, obviously he had the injury and he played about roughly half a season. Two hundred ninety-five, three fifty eight, five hundred slash, sixteen home runs, fifty-four RBI, and three hundred and twenty-seven plate appearances. Still had the very high quality of contact metrics, fourteen point seven percent barrel rate, fifty-four nine hard hit rate, trimmed the K rate a little bit, and he still had about a 30 to 35 homer pace, even with the ground ball rate that still has been kind of sticking in that 48, 49, 50% range. So assuming you can get a full year out of him or even close to, him, I think that's a great value because he could be the Pete Alonso of the outfield. So I am 100% in on Eloy at this price. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I think it's tremendous. I mean, I last year, I
1: feel like the ADP was a lot higher and there was a lot of inflation for him. Agreed. Uh, and I think what you're getting right now, this is what I hope supposedly the day after Grafal got the job in Chicago, he FaceTimed Eloy and said, don't even bother bringing a glove to spring training. Just bring your bats, which is music to my ears. I wept tears of joy because (laughs) Eloy looks like he's on roller skates playing left field, right? I mean, he's just (laughs) awful out there. The guy tries hard. He gives a great effort. But, you know, I, I always have that flashback of him jumping over the wall in spring training where he missed the ball by at least 10 feet. He wasn't even in the same location know, where the Ryan. ball landed and ruptured his pack and missed five months of the season. So I think taking him out of, the, out of the outfield and allowing him to just be in the dugout and having somebody manage him while he's in the dugout because he clearly needs Ritalin or Strattera or something <laughs> to help him pay attention. He's so fun to watch at the games because he's always popping his head out of the dugout and looking to see who's around and what's going on. This is a guy that's got serious power. Light tower power, and he can hit. So in the second half, you said you said the numbers were, were incredible. He had 322 in the second half. His WRC plus was 144, was the third highest in the major leagues during that span. He was not healthy to start the year. He had a lot of soft tissue injuries. He hurt his leg. These guys do not train in the offseason the way that they should be on the White Sox. I will I will continue to say that at risk of uh, being made fun of on Twitter. They're not in shape. So, if he comes in in shape and if he comes in and he's just hitting and not playing the field, there's no reason to think that if he gets in 140, 150 games, he could hit 40 home runs
0: easily. Absolutely. So I think he could be the Pete Alonso of the outfield. And I think his second half just got overshadowed by obviously what Aaron Judge was doing, Pujols going for 700. But yeah, he, had one of, he was one of the best hitters in the second half of the season, you know, up there with, you know, he's right up there with Jordan and, and Lowe, what he was doing, and Altuve and Goldschmidt in the kind of the WRC plus range.
2: But yeah, I think Eloy has a great, great value this year. Chris, what about you? Yeah, I mean, you guys said it. I mean, got on base nearly 400 OBP in the second half, 558 slug, cut the strikeout rate, like 14 home runs. I, I do think that the move, a designated hitter will help him luckily he'll have outfield eligibility this year so you can draft him and be confident that he will have it all of 2023 beyond that who knows but i think someone like him it benefit significantly to not be in the field and to just play as a designated hitter just swing the bat as you mentioned do your thing and i, I really think he could be a, a 290 hitter that hits 35 home runs. And there's a lot of value to be had where he's going in drafts. Absolutely.
0: Now the last young guy here, Andrew Vaughn, Chris, I know you and I have always been fairly high on Andrew Vaughn on this, on this podcast with him going back to first base and like you mentioned, leaving him alone, that putting him in second or outfield where he just, he's not a good fit out there. How far are you are you willing to go on Andrew Vaughn in and drafts? Because his ADP right now is right around 150 or so. Yeah, I love that.
2: Yeah, and you know, it's I just don't think we talk about the mental side of baseball enough when we think about fantasy. We just look at numbers, but how hard must it have been for someone who played his entire career at a certain position to just be thrown out in the outfield and even second base? Like mm-hmm. this wasn't natural for him, and I think the the mental strain that it takes to learn a new position that you're not comfortable with at all also affects you at the plate. And so for Vaughn. I think just being home in his natural spot at first base is going to make him a significantly better hitter. He doesn't have to think about things in the field. He just does his thing at first base. He goes to the plate. He's going to be more confident all around in his game. The dude does not chase. He doesn't miss very often at all. I mean, his swinging strike rate was 9%, which is really, really good. That's over 2 percentage points below league average. I think that Vaughn could really take a step forward this year and do what we've all been waiting for him to do in his natural home at first base. So I'm stamping it. I think Vaughn will be one of the bigger return on investments in the top 150 mm-hmm. because, yeah, you can look at it and be like, ah, he just hit 17 home runs. He played regularly. He had 555 plate appearances. But I expect the average to tick up a bit because when he doesn't strike out a ton, as I mentioned, he doesn't swing and miss often. He's putting a lot of balls in play, and. I think naturally we're just going to see more power from him. he hits the ball plenty hard. And really the biggest thing is going to be keeping it in the air. The ground ball rate was up last year a bit, but it wasn't in, in a range where I'm like, Oh my gosh, like terrible. Like he was 47.7, but that it's not really who he's been. We've seen him in the past a lot lower. So I'm going to be very happy to get Andrew Vaughn, where he's going, I think that if you don't take that first tier first baseman, you just wait and take somebody like that because there are some values to be had around that 150 range. And I'll be happy for it to be Andrew Vaughn,
0: yeah, for sure. And I think that he's him, I think him and, and Nathaniel Lowe are going to have pretty similar seasons. And you can get one of them for 50 picks later, yeah, mm-hmm. Lowe's been right around pick 100. And I, I like Lowe, I do, but I think this year, I think they're going to be pretty damn close in terms of value. And I love Vaughn, I think you could actually make an argument that I think the two biggest ROI opportunities at this position for first base we're talking about could be guys that are both on the White Sox next year. If Jose Abreu lands in Houston, oh oh my word, sign me up. His ADP is Mm -hmm. around like 125, 130. Sign me up for that. We're not talking about him today, but but Mike, what are your thoughts on Andrew Vaughn here for 2023?
1: Well, you know, when they drafted him, the word on the street was that he was the most ready major league hitter in the draft. He was the third pick overall in that draft. And, you know, they rushed him. He only had 205 minor league at-bats before he got to the show. They've played him out of position mercilessly. I mean, just awfully. You know, he, he had a lot of comps when he first came out. And I'm not saying he's like this guy, because obviously that would be really high praise. But, A lot of comps to Jeff Bagwell, similar body style, similar kind of swing path, the way that they go through things. I think they're going to let him alone and let him play first base. They've been really quiet about Abreu as well. They should let him play first base, let him play 150 games if he's healthy and just let it be. I I think he would be a guy that could hit 280 and and hit somewhere between 23 and 28 home runs somewhere in there and really be a nice pick at 150.
0: Yeah, I am all in on Andrew Vaughn. At that ADP and another White Sox player I'm all in on ADP. We'll go into the pitching side of things now. Lance Lynn. Sign me up for Lance Lynn in 2023. I think people don't realize that, you know, obviously he had the injury to start the year, missed some time. And then he just wasn't himself for a bit. But he really regained his, you know, previous Lance Lynn form down the stretch here. And I put out a tweet the other day about this, too. From August 1st to the end of the season, as 12 starts, 74 innings, 243 ERA, one whip on the dot, 3% walk rate, 25% K rate, and no lock in here. It was 328 FIP, 331 XFIP, 319 Sierra, and a 14.3% swing strike rate. And his ADP is still you know near that 140 to 150 range. He's, on, he's about the 40th or 41st SP off the board. He's a guy that he's not super sexy obviously. He doesn't have the Pizzazz, a lot of the names you look for on that range, but he is just very consistent, and I'm really confident in him kind of bouncing back fully to what we've seen in the past from just from given how he looked down the stretch. But are you feeling that same way, Mike?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that's 35 years old, throws some variation of a fastball about 70% of the time, and just <laughs> challenges guys to do it. And he makes no bones about it. He's definitely a clubhouse leader on that team, which last year obviously was lacking. They need somebody to be a little bit more fiery, but, you know, everybody was talking about Giolito being their ace last year, which obviously didn't happen. Lynn was, besides Cease, obviously, Lynn was really right up there on the second half. I mean, when they really needed him to come on and, and really throw it well, he did when they were trying to get into the playoffs. And so I've, I think it's great that they have him. I, I think that they have the makings of an actually a really good rotation, depending on if, giolito and or Kopech can bounce back from where they were at the end of the season
0: now giolito is one that's going a couple picks ahead of on adp who would you rather have next year lynn or giolito i'd rather
1: have lynn but i'm hopeful that giolito can turn it around i think that there was a lot of things that were happening there last year with the fastball with the command his changeup. he also had put on 20 pounds of muscle in the winter time i think that led to the abdominal injury that he had I, I don't know. I mean, I really want to, I, I love Giolito. I love the way he goes about his business. I I'm hopeful that he can fix what's wrong with cats in the off season. Cause they really need him. You know, they would have re, you know, three really, really good starters there and potentially a fourth, if they were able to kind of get him turned around.
0: Chris, how about you, Lynn or Giolito and your thoughts on both?
2: Lynn, but I, I will be taking shots on Giolito because we know what he's capable of and I think Mike brought up some really good points about why. And that's what I always want to have is a why to everything. Why did something happen? And yeah. Giolito certainly improved down the stretch. And as we've seen, like, in go to the prospect world and with Novi Marte, who's put on a ton of weight. He's like just good weight, muscle, but he's, he's just not comfortable in that swing yet. So anyway, back to Giolito, I, I do think that, you know, as bad as it was the last month of the season – you know, he had 33 and two thirds. He struck out 35 and had a three, four, eight ERA. All those aren't ACE level numbers. It's still significantly improved from what he was, you know, three, two, three FIP, which I do really like to see. So I will be taking some chances on G Luda because he's been an ACE before. And I think he can get back to ACE levels. Lance Lynn, the only thing that does scare me a bit is the age, but mm-hmm. he, he hasn't fallen off yet. So the decline's different for everybody. And we we don't know what that'll look like for him. 2022 was not as great as the previous seasons, but still, over his last four seasons, he has a three four two ERA. You can count on him for solid ratios, decent K numbers. But I think Gialli is the upside play if you have safer mm-hmm. arms ahead of time. Great point. Yeah, I absolutely agree there. And speaking of upside, that's where we'll
0: we'll end this podcast with a guy that right now is pretty much only upside and, and hope and promise at this point. Michael Kopech, you know, former number one overall pitching prospect who just hasn't put it all together yet, and who knows if he ever will. Like, obviously, the stuff is there. We've seen that. You know, great fastball, great you know slider and curveball as well at times, but just command and overall consistency has not been there, and that's led to a lot of ups and downs. You know, last year, you know, look at the, the overall line, 354 ERA, not bad, 119 whips all right but there was a lot of peaks and valleys in there. And you saw the walk rate jump to Mm 11.5% K rate down to 21.3%, which is not something I ever thought I'd say about Michael Kopech. I thought he'd always Mm -hmm. be at least a 25% K rate guy, maybe even 30% with, with his stuff, but maybe it's just, he's got to find that balance of, you know, limiting contact and and swing and miss stuff. Maybe he can find that I'm still kind of hopeful, but I'm not as hopeful as I once was in Kopech. But uh, where are you at on him right now, Mike? I'm out. Um, out. I, I, yeah. I think I think the, the thing is,
1: that you know, obviously you're you're laughing because you got Chris Sale for Moncada and for Kopech. And so I guess we both kind of, you know, mull that one over long-term, <laughs> right? But,
0: uh, that, that's It's so funny. We're like, oh, yeah, we and Chris Sale, he did help us win the World Series in 2018. Mm. Gotta give him that. Rub it in. Rub it in. Yeah, but we have, Since then, he's done nothing. And then the, I was kind of like, oh, we're giving up Moncada and Kopech? I'm like, Damn, this is going to hurt us. And I mean, Moncada had that one year. Mm-hmm. Speaking of him, real quick, are you any any value there with him? Are you, what's his ADP is dirt cheap right now? Let's see. It is, if I could spell his name right, um, on the like
2: 250 to 300.
0: I'd have to guess. Yeah, he's in that range. Are you taking him there? Yeah. And I'll tell you why. I
1: really think Pedro Grafal, I, I, I know I might be putting a lot of stock in him. But he was the Salvador Perez whisperer in Kansas City. Now, obviously, I'm not saying Mancada is going to hit 48 home runs or anything like that.
0: I think but- I think that's exactly what you're saying, Mike. <laughs> if, if anyone but- takes something from this podcast, is so that Mancada is <laughs> going for 50 home runs. Yeah. <laughs> but if
1: if if they can turn it around in such a way to get him back to what he was doing well, which was taking pitches, working deep in counts, and 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 live with. You know, not really great power, but a good average and a really good defensive set. The third baseman, I think that that would be fine. I think that at that ADP, I think it's worth taking a shot at him again. Because at that point, you're already going to have your starters at the other spots. He's a guy that I would not mind taking a flyer on there. And I, I'm trying not to sound like a homer, but
0: I would give him a shot. Yeah, his ADP is yeah, right in the middle of that, two seventy five, and Kopex is right around two fifty as well. I mean. I'm not opposed like this this range is okay like we mentioned the upside for both these guys is there That we've seen what can go right with Mancada obviously that was how many years ago is that that was 2019 I want 19 I yeah. yeah so as we're a few years removed from that now it seems like he's gets worse worse every year but at that range, you aren't going to find a lot yeah. of guys with, with that much upside. unless Maybe if you go a prospect in that range, you may be. Yeah, the crazy
1: thing about the White Sox guys is that they, it feels like they've been around forever. Mankata's 27. You know, I know. It's like, I mean, you know, you'd, you'd like to think there's another level. There probably isn't, but or maybe it has to be somewhere else. But he's an interesting guy from that standpoint. And the thing I'll say about Kopech is that, he never seemed comfortable to me last year in the starting role, and and I know that he's a longtime starter and and wants to be a starter, but he's really a two pitch pitcher with the fastball and the slider. And you guys know a lot more about this kind of stuff than I do, just based on your your work with prospects and whatnot. But he can he cannot throw the slider for a strike, then everyone's sitting on the fastball, and he yep. could not throw it for a strike last year. And there was a lot of talk around here, you know, oh Kopech needs a third pitch, blah blah blah. Third pitches don't just develop out of nowhere in the middle of the season, right? So <laughs> that's a really unfair assessment. But the thing is. He did really, really well on that stopper role two years ago for the White Sox. But now they've kind of have Ronaldo Lopez in that role, taking up some space in the bullpen. Could this get interesting if they decide to move a Hendricks or a Graveman? Yeah. You know, you might be able to see him go back to the bullpen and have that success again. I think that they're looking at trying to spend a little bit of money on another starter, a Cueto type, if not Johnny Cueto, to bring in there. I wonder if they might move Kopech back to the bullpen.
0: I wouldn't be opposed to that. Like I said, the stuff is there. Like, he's got the set to ex- excel in some role. It's maybe it is the bullpen. We'll see. I- I'm not hundred percent out on him yet, but I'm definitely tempering my expectations moving forward as a compared to where they were, you know, a handful of years ago when he was just coming up, Chris, how about you? are you in on Kopech
2: this year and, or-, or even as a, maybe a buy low in dynasty, maybe in dynasty just to see where it goes. But I think Kopech's problems go beyond the field. Like he has so many off the field issues. He it does, seems man. like constantly his constant like cycle of dating life, like has a baby with one girl dumps her and then gets another girl pregnant, becomes mm-hmm. a stepdad to this girl. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Like
1: mm-hmm.
2: play baseball. And, you <laughs> know, and that's goes back to like, you know, the off the field stuff does matter like to a players, like mental state of their physique on the field. Like they're dealing with stuff in life. And I feel like he's dealt with a lot He's he's young, you know, he's gone through some stuff. So maybe he can push that behind him. I do think there's some interesting upside, but I'd like to see him use the curveball a little more. It's an interesting pitch that he threw 10% of the time last year. I don't know if he'll, will go to that more, but with the usage of the four seam, it just doesn't really work for a starter. You can point Mm -hmm. to Strider, but strider's a, a unicorn who also throws 99 at the top of the zone with a right. lead ride so Kopech doesn't really have that he, he's 95 average so it's much harder for him to actually make that work so i don't know i could i could see him be a really good like high leverage reliever but is that what you want to draft where he's going mm-hmm. i don't know so yeah
0: you're absolutely yeah. right Stop. Yeah, there's too many questions. Even at, even though 250 is not bad, there's just so much uncertainty, too many questions for me to go after him. If he falls to like 300, which it could be possible, maybe, but there's a lot of other pitchers in that range I like even more than Kopech next year. So I'm probably not going to get many, if any, shares of him for 2023, but I could see a buy low opportunity in Dynasty, though, just like you mentioned, Chris, to see if that upside can, can finally click and he can finally put it all together. We'll see, but... That is going to wrap us up. Mike, thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. I'll, I'll give you the floor here to plug the new pod and whatever else you got going on.
1: Yeah, so thanks, guys, for having me. I, like I said, it, it's always kind of been a, a dream of mine to be on with you guys, good friends with you, but also admire your work and all the things that you guys do in the community. So thank you for having me. I have the worst Twitter handle of all time, as we've documented many times, at MDRC0508. I work at the wonderful fan tracks with Chris, and with Eric, you guys are both amazing people to work with. Thank you so much for all the things that you do. And I am part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network now doing the fantasy baseball beat. We've had a couple of different beat reporters come on and talk about the prospects for the for the team. We just had our episode with Chris Cotillo come out for the Red Sox. We had one with Craig Mish a couple of weeks ago that was a lot of fun. we got some good ones coming for the White Sox and the Cubs here coming down the road here, We and we're going to have the Arizona Diamondbacks this coming week. So it's been a lot of fun working with Chris Torres and uh, Carlos Marcano, who are both way smarter than I am. I'm just kind of the comic relief of the group, but it's been a lot of fun. We're really enjoying it, and we're hoping that it, it serves a niche in the market. Obviously, there's a lot of really great podcasts out there. Part of that and and hope to continue to uh, do good work and and get some good results from people. People have liked it so far, so we've been really happy with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I haven't had a chance to listen to the Red Sox one yet. Definitely, I've, i got a sick kid, but definitely will be, probably even tomorrow, I guess, sometime tomorrow. So obviously, as a Red Sox fan, I'm going to definitely check out that one. But yeah, I love, when I first saw you, you guys tweet about this and, and the concept behind it, I love it, because obviously we, there's a lot, like you mentioned, there's a lot of great fantasy baseball podcasts out there. So it's hard to do something new, right? And you guys did that. And obviously, Carlos and I'm blanking. Torres. Thank you. <laughs> Brain cramp. Both, all three of you are phenomenal analysts, baseball analysts. And I've listened to a, couple, a little bit of the episodes so far. And it's been great. So definitely go check that out. Mike does great work for us here at Fantrax. So check out all of his writing. He's been an integral part of our team here the last couple of years. And we'll be again in 2023 as we look to do bigger and better things than we did last year. It always, Arrow is always pointing out for us here at Fantrax HQ. But that is going to wrap us up. Thanks to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow all of us on Twitter. Mike is at MDRC0508. I am at Aircross04. Chris is at Rotocleg, and our show is at Fantrex Toolshed. Check out all of our written work, all three of us, at Fantrax HQ, or for Chris and I over on our Patreon as well. And join us again next time for more fancy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care.
2: You're craving Church's three piece classic? There's no other option. Two crispy legs, a thigh, and a warm honey butter biscuit are the only way. And that's why we call it a classic. Church's Texas Chicken. Tap the banner to find your nearest location. Offer valid at participating locations.
0: The following is an actor portrayal.
2: With Kindley Assisted Living and
1: Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it.
2: My dad moved to Kindley and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindley.
1: Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindley at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider.